Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Regina's only downtown brewery. So the Montreal Alouettes decided to uh, support some poor behavior this week by naming Johnny Manziel their starting quarterback after he whined like a little baby about being the backup. Even though they claim it's not because of that, I think we all know that's the case. And it got me thinking, John, there's been some rumblings around that you might not be happy playing second fiddle on this podcast, so I can tell you, if you start complaining publicly, nothing's going to change around here because we do not support poor behavior on this podcast. So so what you're saying is, call off the news conference I have scheduled for tomorrow under the guise of a million-dollar charitable donation, when really it's just going to be me saying that I demand more playing time and and more time in the spotlight as the the feature host of the Three Down Nation Greencast, right? So I probably can't cancel that absolutely and if any media actually fell for that press release they should have noticed the one million dollar donation clearly was uh a ruse because uh as people who do this podcast for free you uh you 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 don't have that kind of money so uh yeah an interesting week in the cfl we're not really going to get into the johnny manziel talk don't worry everyone Uh, if you really want to hear a good conversation about that uh drew and justin over at the three down nation podcast had a good one there and uh there's plenty of other people talking about it we we won't really uh our opinions on this subject don't really matter and i think we're all kind of johnnyed out at this point but what we will get into this week was uh the riders winning streak coming to an end as uh We could uh, quote a famous Adam Sandler movie if uh, we wanted to in this situation, as uh, you could say, Mm -hmm. maybe maybe the writers suck again? Oh no, we suck again! Who was it that said that line? Uh, One of uh, Rob Schneider's characters, I don't know. Let's keep it that way. Boom, you fellow, you walked right into it. (laughs) I I did, I did, we planned. The worst part is, is before with the preamble I said I was going to do it, and then you had tons of time to prepare. You're probably just sitting on that. Is waiting for me to walk into that and kerpow in the face. I actually kind of came up with it on the spot, which is a little rare for me from time to time. So we'll get into that. And overall, really, yes, the Riders lost and it was ugly. But 
I am going to stand by my piece last week, which we'll get into as well. Uh, we're going to talk about the state of the offense, and uh, we finally got some answers about the offense, I think, this week. And if you're a Ryder fan, it's... They're, they're not good answers. Um, the defense had a poor outing, but we're not really worried about them long term. Special teams were amazing. Uh, we're going to get into what that loss kind of means for the team going forward, and we're going to talk a little bit about Josh Gordon as well, because there was the news that he was added to the Riders' neg list this week. We're going to talk a little bit about John's team as well. They're back from the bye week, and uh, Mike O'Shea made his decision on who will be his starting quarterback this week against Johnny Manziel and the Montreal Alouettes. I'm still too full of rage to talk about that. I need a couple beers in me before we get there, Joel. Well, the good news, John, is uh, we're at that point of the podcast now where uh, we talk about our suds a little bit. So uh, what's in the glass this week? This week, walked into the liquor store, and I did something that I don't normally do. I usually have my mainstays. I just kind of close my eyes and point it and point it, and I ended up with one of my mainstays, that being <laughs> Nokomis Golden Ale, a uh, real great lager uh, for people that listen to this podcast that are like, ew, I, I don't like IPAs, I don't like hops, I don't like anything too fancy. Uh, it, much like the Rebellion Lentil Cream, much like the Pile of Bones, I, I would say White IPA. It's more of a easy drinking beer, uh, something you can get into without having to be a big fan of hops and bitter beers. Uh, so try the Nokomis Golden Ale. Uh, that is what I am drinking tonight. And maybe be ready to talk about Mike O'Shea and Matt Nichols by the second tall boy of this. Um, while you talk about it, I'm just going to chug here. That's entirely fair for me. Uh, it's one of your favorites, one you uh, have had a few times on this podcast, the appropriately rated Nokomis Pale Ale. I picked up a four-pack of it from uh, my other job the other day, and it's just as good as ever. Just a nice, multi-balanced, well-made beer that will continue to be well-made in English. And (laughs) (laughs) you you know one word that I would you know one word that uh, I would not use to describe the Nakoma's Pale Ale. It would not be overrated. I think it's delicious delicious pale ale from a local brewery and I, I you know i don't think it gets a lot of hype so it's hard to overrate something that's just kind of sneaky good yeah i mean the craft beer community loves nokomis i don't know a lot outside of that they're a little less they're a little quieter you know because jeff the owner doesn't quite have the personality of say market rebellion who's loud and he's out there and he's got he's got the he's got the He's got the crazy hair, and he's got the rock shirts on all the time, and the tattoos and everything. So he very much fits a certain persona that really makes Rebellion kind of the kings of the province in terms of craft beer. Glenn at uh, Pile of Bones is very outspoken. Jeff's just kind of quiet and does his thing and just cranks out amazing beers. So, Jeff Nokomis, as always, we love you. So, as uh, we discussed, the, the, the Riders uh, lost as their yeah. four-game winning streak came to an end against the Ottawa Red Blacks. And I think, first and foremost... More of us probably should have seen this coming. Um, I I was I wanted to pick Ottawa last week. I just didn't really have the guts to finally pull the trigger because it felt like that game where it was like, okay, Saskatchewan should win, the Riders should win, and we have the league figured out this year, so the way this year has gone, naturally Ottawa was going to win, and they did. It, that's, right. that's just the way this year in the CFL has gone, and really, we all should have known better. Yeah, everything you think is going to happen doesn't happen. That's just not a thing. Like, you, you said it absolutely correct, Joel. Uh, I'm glad I don't have to do any kind of peckums or anything like that because 
I would be getting murdered directly in the face uh, because, as you said, you get it figured out and then somebody goes ahead and, you know, crushes the riders and scores a whole bunch of points on their defense, which I think we dropped the arguably from the best unit in the league title last week. Mm -hmm. It might be back after a bad outing. It, it might, but I mean, it's one game. And I, yeah. I, th I think that's that's really the important message overall that has to be taken from this game. Um, so I wrote the piece last week on 3 Down Nation that it's time to believe in the Riders, that this is a very good football team, at least two-thirds of it, that can win a championship. And I think, mm. I think we talked about it last week as well on the podcast where there is a lot of things they do well that convert well into November football when it could be minus 20 and snowing. Mm -hmm. So as long as they continue to do that, I believe that they can do that. And for me, one bad game isn't going to sway that. They were bound to lose a game again eventually. They weren't going to run the table all the way through to the Grey Cup. So it's better now than later. And so overall, yeah, they lost, and there was ugly things from that football game. But really, I mean, big picture, it's still just one game. It's no reason to hit the panic button as much as, you know, the panic button is fun and creates views and gets people talking. I think overall, this team is still in a good position to possibly host a home playoff game. That took a bit of a shot now at catching Calgary, but yeah. that was a bit of a long shot anyway. But they're still in the running for second place, and they're still in a good spot overall because they got a good enough cushion on BC and Winnipeg that, okay, they're still in a playoff spot. They have time to figure this out, and overall... Everyone is, and I think for the most part, the province has been fairly calm about this game. Yeah. And it's just, it's just about moving forward. And as long as they rebound from what happened last week, then we know that they're a good football team because you lose games, that happens, good teams find ways to bounce back. Now, I am, it's funny because you always get ripped for being negative and hard on the riders and not being very positive and blah, 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 blah. Um, you write the piece last week, which clearly jinxed them with the Believe in the Riders. <laughs> that is yep. the most clear jinx I've ever seen in any sport. I uh, I don't want to be that guy, but I'm going to kind of be that guy. I'm not full-blown hitting the panic button. I'm doing the, like, hover over the panic button, <laughs> ready, just like, the bottom of the palm just starting to touch the panic button a little bit. And the reason I'm of that mindset, I'm mm -hmm. with you 100%, Joel. The defense bounces back, right? Special teams, they were great. I still don't know if that's sustainable. But the rider offense, and if either one of us wasn't so lazy... I feel like we could go back to the very first episode of this podcast and just drop in a five-minute supercut of us talking about what a concern the offense is. And I think that would kind of sum up my feelings the best way they can. Yeah, I'm hovering over the panic button because despite some optimism by yours truly about, oh, they can control the ball, maybe they can punch in the end zone, I'm starting to change my own mind. My mind is starting to be changed for me. This offense is so atrociously terrible that even when it's cold, even when you just need to do something, I don't know if they can. They can't. And, and that's, that's exactly it. Ottawa is a decent team defensively, but 
that offense was so bad, and they've never really been good this year, that despite your optimism, Joel, I don't think this is a championship-caliber team because of how poor that offense is. Now, again, they've got, they've got time to pull it together, but I'm still... I'm looking at this offense going, they're missing something, they're missing something, they're missing something. And it just, to me, it goes back to you completely change the receiving core for whatever reasons, Deron Carter, yada, yada, yada. I just, they might be the worst offense I've seen outside of Montreal in the past three, four years in the CFL. Yeah, and all, all those thoughts are fair. And what I premise my belief in this team still has nothing to do with the offense. I think what we learned in that football game was an answer to a question that we've been asking all season long, which was, can this offense win them a game? And even the ask on the offense in that game to win it wasn't really that high because they still got two touchdowns from special teams. When that happens, you should win. They literally probably, they only needed a couple of touchdowns out of the offense and that game's over. Instead, they didn't really get there. And so I think we learned in that game that this offense does not have it in them to win a football game. But this is how highly I think of the defense and of the special teams of this team that if they don't have an off day in the playoffs, and it's, it's going to be tough because it's looking like the road, no matter which way it goes, is going to be going through Mike Riley and Bo Levi Mitchell to not have an off day. Now, those two don't really affect the special teams, but... It's going to be a big ask. Now, I'm not saying it can't be done. Uh, you know, Part of this feels like they have the ability in them to prove people wrong on this one because that seems to be what they love to do. And so I still really believe in this defense. I really believe in the special teams. And yeah, the, the offense answered the question. And that's that was what we learned in that football game was, okay, the offense can't win them a game because we are two-thirds of the way into a season now. You are what you are at this point. Nothing is going Mm -hmm. to change dramatically. They can't make some big systematic or philosophical overhaul at this point. Because if they did, they're starting from ground zero. And then they're still trying to rebuild to the point that they don't have enough time to do something with that. So I've had people say, well, they need to get rid of Stephen McAdoo. I'm like, okay, but that's really only going to lead to a few tweaks, maybe a little bit of different play calling. But you're so deep into the system at this point that you can't really systematically change anything. It's not prudent. You don't have time to do it. So, the offense is what it is at this point, and they have to find a way to overcome that. Now, I will say this, when the offense is on, they do a decent job controlling the football, and we've seen that. And if they can continue to do that, yeah. I will like their chances. If the, if any, if the defense or the special teams happens to have an off day in November, that is when they're going to be in trouble. And it's going to be a, a thin line that they're walking, but I still believe they can do it. Yeah, no, I, I I do think you're right. I just don't think the defense scoring points and the special teams units scoring points, although it has been sustainable through the regular season, I don't know if that is sustainable. And I just L- think logic, this, I, I, logic says it's not, but I mean they keep doing it. So yeah, <laughs> until they stop doing it, and even they don't even necessarily have to find the end zone every time. If they can continue to create the turnovers and get into field goal range at least every time off that turnover, they're going to have a shot. Because I, I think what we, what we saw in that game 
was a quarterback who can't throw the ball downfield. And I think that has a lot to do with how they've yes. how they've built this offense was the fact that they probably saw it in camp that Zach Caleros doesn't have the deep ball he maybe once did. And because there was the one throw in the fourth quarter, he had the wind at his back. And Williams Lambert was pretty wide open. Yep. And it just it didn't get there. And that was like everyone in the press box is like, oh. Like he looked like he put everything into that and that ball went maybe fifty yards. No, I can't throw a football that I can't throw a football ten yards, let alone fifty, so I'm not here to criticize that as a horrible throw. But for a professional quarterback, that's a game changing throw that he needs to be able to make. And I think that's a lot of why the offense is designed as it is, is because well, they don't trust Bridge, so they're not gonna put him out there to throw the bombs. And Zach can't do it, so this is what they're stuck with, basically. Yeah, now the funny thing is, is as soon as you mentioned that, I had flashbacks to last year's team that, I mean, obviously Brandon Bridge is not starting caliber in this league. But do you ever think about bringing back that two-quarterback rotation? I mean, let's face it, Zach Kolaris at this point in his career is like Kevin Glenn, but slightly more accurate, maybe? I, you, I just think you're right. Like, you, like you basically, you're the book is out on the riders, and that's why I'm so pessimistic. The book is there. Caleros can't chuck it downfield. He absolutely can't. So you don't have to worry about covering deep. You can stack guys. You can bring more pressure. You can bring safety blitzes because the odds of you getting burned deep are slim. Especially when Shaq Evans couldn't catch a cold. Well, yeah, that was just that was <laughs> that was just embarrassing. That was put it this way: if he had that performance and he was an NFL kicker, he'd be on the street looking for work right now. Yeah, like that was just that was that was horrendous for a professional football player to have the drops like that. So, I think the book is out on this team. You're right; you can't fire Stephen McAdoo. I think you Stephen McAdoo needs to go in the off season and start from scratch. Um, but I just. I don't know. I, I don't know what you do to change it. Maybe it is bridge. Maybe, hell, by this point, run some wildcat stuff. I mean, just you got to do something different because whatever you're doing now is not working. And I think teams have you figured out. Now, again, I always have I'm, I always work off the theory that, you know, at this point in the season, you're late in the season. If the riders had been working on something, an adjusted game plan, some new wrinkles, some new looks they're not going to bust it out, at, at, you know, coming into game 13. Especially against an Eastern opponent. Exactly. You're going to see some pretty vanilla looks. Yep. So I do, you know, to kind of, you know, play devil's advocate with myself, maybe something's cooking. Maybe there's something on the back burner that's cooking, that, that, they, that they're working on in practice, that they're getting ready to bust out late in the season so there's not a lot of film on it and taken in the playoffs. But just from what I see right now, as it is, I don't think this offense could score against a good U sports defense. Well, I wouldn't go that far. <clears throat> there is still, a I, very, would. There is, I, it, I wouldn't go that far. There's, there's no chance that you, you, you can't make that comparison. Uh, they, they could score on an NCAA defense. That's how big the divide is still. There's professional versus college is it's not even close. People, people, always no, love to bring no, up, yeah. people always love to bring up that argument. People say when the Cleveland Browns at 0-16 last year, like, oh, could they, you know, could Alabama beat them? No, Alabama couldn't beat them. They're professionals still. It's not no, how it you're, works. you're, you're right. I just, I just don't know what else to say about it. I mean, call it, <laughs> call it a terrible take. Call it being over dramatic, but it's just, 
it's just it's 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 plain. It's boring. They can't get anything going, no matter what they try. You have players underperforming. You have a quarterback that can't throw it deep. You have another quarterback that sits on your bench that can throw it deep, but can identify coverage to save his life. I I just I. Uh, it's just it's frustrating. It is frustrating to watch a team that plays this well in the other two aspects of the game. And it, by all accounts, it's a good football team to constantly be let down by this pop gun unit of an offense. There's just there's just nothing there that looks good. You don't have well, okay, maybe Deron Carter will get it going. Maybe Bakari Grant will get it going. Maybe Rob Bag's got something left in the tank. I don't understand what they did personnel-wise this uh, this offseason with the offense. They showed up the defense. That's great. Found some good up-and-coming guys that can play good special teams that will maybe develop into starters. Also great. But it's just, here's the same thing we trotted, trotted out last year, but way worse because we got rid of a whole bunch of guys that put up numbers. Yeah. And that's fair. And I think there was one change that uh, Dustin, Justin Dunk talked about on the podcast when you were away with me the one week, which was the change from pass, how they no longer have the passing game coordinator in uh, Jarius Jackson. He went back to BC, and then they brought in Steve Walsh as a quarterback's coach. So there might be a little bit of a philosophical difference in changing there, and that's why we might see the passing game develop as it has, or so we should say lack of development as it has. So I think that's an important thing to keep in note as well. And I think we I think we've we've talked about the offense enough. It is what it is. We've said it all. Um, what was interesting to me about that game was that after the game, when Chris Jones is very clear in talking about the state of the defense and yeah. the admittedly bad game they had, they didn't have a very good game. And it's weird. No. There's something there's something systematically that Ottawa does that seems to be giving the Riders fits because I don't remember exactly how all the points are scored in the first game, but they have combined 70 points in two games, <laughs> Ottawa. And so, hands up if anyone thought that the quarterback combination duo that would figure out a Chris Jones defense as good as this one would have been Ottawa out of every team league. Some people probably, there probably been a lot of votes for Bo and Dave. There's probably been a lot of votes for Mike and Jason. But no, it's Trevor Harris and his team in Ottawa that somehow got this defense figured out because, and I was walking back to my car after the game with Murray McCormick of the original leader post and Tim Baines of uh, post media Ottawa. And he was, he was like, I if they play like that in offense all the time. They're great. And he, he was kind of wrapping his head around trying to see how it happened. I was like, well, what they did very well in both games. And this is when he agreed. And this is when Ottawa's offense is good is Trevor Harris was taking very short drops and he was getting the ball out fast. So there oh, yeah. was, there was no time really, for Willie Jefferson or Charleston Hughes to get there and wreak havoc and make that defense look as good as it does. No, and, and, and you're absolutely right. And this is what concerns me, though, is, again, the defense looked great. And Chris Jones was... I like Chris Jones because occasionally he can be candid kind of when he feels like it. Yeah. Um, and he was very candid about the performance of his defense. I think you and I... Um, are both not really worrying about one no. poor game from a unit that's performed so well. But I always I always get a little worried whenever you see it at any level of football, one team figure out another team. Because I feel like you, you start to, teams will look at elements of, I mean, you and I are not coaches, we're not football aficionados by any means. No. And we could very easily tell, okay, Trevor Harris is getting that ball out in a hurry and not letting the, the the pressure get to him, and that's what's working against the Ryder D. Now, what happens if 
what does Calgary try that next time? Does Bo Levi try that instead of, you know, Rick and Trevor Harris? Like, I just, that's the only thing that worries me a little bit. I know it's incredibly difficult to pull off. Right, because, I, I mean, Edmonton and Calgary are systematically different teams in Ottawa, right? Yeah, no, and you're absolutely yeah. right. But I, I think there is some merit in, in seeing how one team is able to lay the boots to the other. Um, that's at any level of football now. Are they able to completely convert? I don't know. I don't think so. Are the Is the Riders' defense likely to adapt? I would wager that they are because they're that good, they're that deep, they're that talented, the coaching staff is that smart. But I was just going to, you know, you get a little worried when somebody gets exposed like that. Again, it's a one-off. I'm probably over-worrying too much. I need to have another drink, and I'll be fine. Yeah, I, I think that the, the main point that I was trying to make was over the defense was Chris Jones is right to criticize it, and I tweeted this after the game. Um, that, yeah, okay, yeah, the defense had didn't have their best outing. They probably they had their worst outing since the last time they played Ottawa. And yeah. all of that was fair to say, and he's fair to say it, but the difference, the difference is we know the defense is going to bounce back. They've proven yeah. that this is a good unit, and every unit has the off day, and that was the game where the offense had to step up and win it for them, and they didn't. You know what? We all knew it was coming at some point. Hopefully, if you're a Ryder fan or you're a member of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, that was the only time it's going to come up. And it's not going to be an issue the rest of the way, but odds are it still might come up again at some point. But regardless, we know the defense is going to be fine. And yeah. so he was right to say they had a bad game. And I think part of it was he was deflecting a little bit from the offense because everyone was talking about the offense and that the offense is the offense, then it's the offense, the offense, the offense, because it's been the story all year. And he was probably trying to change the narrative a little bit to say, hey, guys, the defense didn't have a great game either. Maybe... Maybe talk about that because you see, you're right. Sometimes Chris Jones can be very candid when he wants to. And when he wants to, it's for a very specific reason. He mm. doesn't do it just for fun. He's not it's like, oh, I feel like I'm going to be insightful today. It's like, no, he's being insightful because he wants you to go in a certain direction. He's actually very media savvy. He's very smart with some of the things he says sometimes. I don't think it necessarily worked in this case, but you saw what he was trying to accomplish. No, and you're absolutely correct, and you and I have both worked around Chris Jones and speaking to lots of people that do. That's very much his M.O. He knows his defense will respond, and you're right, Joel. They're going to be fine. I'm just worried. I'm just over-worrying. So, one name that could potentially maybe one day help this offense was an interesting story breaking this week. I believe it was Farhan Lalji of TSN that broke the news that Josh Gordon has been added to the Riders negotiation list, and of course that led to an avalanche of jokes at the Riders' expense because uh, Chris Jones has a history of adding these <laughs> kinds of NFL stars to his uh, negotiation list, and generally we are the kind of guys who would pile on them for that too, except in this situation I'm willing to say, well, okay, yes, Chris Jones has his history, but let's remember this guy was on Calgary's necklace for the last like four years. So yeah. <laughs> this isn't like he was, this is not his first time added to a CFL necklace. And I think it's not without reason. This isn't a 35-year-old receiver. This isn't a quarterback that hasn't played in four years. This is a guy who has at least been around the game of football for the last couple of years, even he hasn't been playing. And I believe he's only like 26. So that's about as old as Naaman Roosevelt was when he came up here. And if you haven't read the piece yet, there was a good piece on 3Down Nation on Wednesday today when we're recording from our boy Justin Dunk oh, on why the Riders added Josh Gordon to their necklace, and it's actually a well-written-out piece and why they think he could have an interest in coming up here at some point if the CFL thing doesn't work out. He knows Willie Jefferson. Like, there's a lot of great ties and a lot of reasons why this could work. And Drew and Justin talked about it on their podcast as well. 
Gordon gets, you know, he's been casted as this nefarious drug user when really his only issues have been with weed, which as we know in the history of the CFL, <laughs> we don't care. It's not an issue up here. If you smoke weed, it's not going to prevent you from playing a CFL game. Yeah, nobody cares, especially when it's going to be legal within a month or so. Um, I, I like it. I like the move. As you mentioned, Josh Gordon is still young. I think if the reclamation project fails in New England, if New England can't bring you back to being a contributing member of the NFL, uh, you got to go someplace else. you got to go someplace this is the, else. This is the typical, not to get off topic here because we're not an NFL podcast, but this is, this is the typical hoodie move, like Bill Belichick. We all knew as soon as oh, yeah. Cleveland said they were going to release him, which I didn't understand why they announced on Friday. Oh, we're going to release him on Monday. What? Let's release yeah. the guy then. Like, but anyway, they trade him, and we all, as soon as that happened, like, okay, one way or the other, he's ending up in New England. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you absolutely <laughs> knew he would. And there's, there's a, a good chance he will completely tear it up in New England. Um, but if he doesn't, I, I think if you wear out your welcome in New England of the NFL – you're not really welcome anywhere else. I mean, if Bill Belichick can't rehab you, well... Normally you would say you're probably welcome in Cleveland, but he was already there, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the Browns. But, uh, I, I, again, I don't mind the move. Even if he goes... If, if he flames out in New England, you have a 27-year-old guy with all the talent and upside in the world, needing a place to play, needing a place to... I don't want to call the CFL the bottom. It is the arguably, if it's not the second best, it's 1B1A to the NFL. I'm a firm believer that it's a 1B1A situation myself. Um, that he's got nowhere else to go in the NFL. Give the CFL a try. He's young enough. Come up here and dominate and show, you know, or maybe he just stays in Canada because let's face it, it's legal and nobody cares. Yeah, like I don't hate the move. It's a negligent spot. Like, mm hmm. This is more how I feel sometimes the negligence should be used, maybe not on just washed-up NFL guys, but in general, guys that are going to be in demand because there's like 800 million football players in the United States. You don't need to put a guy on a negligence to sign him. If your scouting's yep. good enough, you can go down there and find guys on the street corner to play on your team. So you the, so you want to use your negligence for guys you think are going to be in demand, and I think if Josh Gord wasn't on, his neg on a negligence and he showed interest in coming to the CFL... I am pretty sure there would be at least a few teams that would be inquiring about his services. So, all in all, I know people love, and I saw, you know, a couple of ex-riders, notably probably kind of joking about this as well on Twitter, um, but it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's really going to turn into anything. I don't imagine Josh Gordon's actually going to end up in the CFL because there's also the issue of the Alliance of American Football as well. Yeah. Whether that gets off the ground or maybe that's an option for him instead. But again, they will probably follow along the same sort of drug rules as the NFL. So you never know. You never know what might happen there. So I think even if it's just for the rest of this year and then they let it go because they don't have to tell us when players are on and off the neg list, which is a whole other issue. It's, it is what it is and... It doesn't bother me, and it doesn't rile me up like the other NFL acquisitions that Chris Jones has put on this list before, as for a lot of the reasons we've already discussed. Yeah, like like Terrell, like Terrell Owens. Yeah, and while they worked him out, he wasn't on a neg list a week, and I, and I think, there, there, in fairness in that one, too, there were some other guys working out there as well, so it wasn't just Terrell Owens they were looking at. He, he, but he was on Edmonton's neg list. He was, for like two weeks, I think, yeah. something like that. It was pretty so, short, so and, like, then, and then he invoked the 10-day clause, and then 
Which was weird because, okay, you invoke the 10-day clause. They don't offer you a contract. You become free, basically. As far as you know, he's not another neg list. And that whole story is just kind of disappeared. Because I guess apparently that workout was pretty bad from what I heard. So <laughs> like he was he was sucking wind pretty hard of it. He was in good shape, but uh, not anywhere near football shape. So and and he got exposed for that. Absolutely, and a, a guy who is probably in pretty good football shape, but has been exposed recently. As we're going to uh, switch gears a little bit here now and talk uh, kind of one of the bigger stories in the league right now, especially across the West Division, and that's uh, Bombers head coach Mike O'Shea deciding that. Uh, He's going to stick with Matt Nichols this week as the Bombers take on the Montreal Alouettes, led by Johnny Manziel. And so there was a lot of discussion over the bye week whether they would make the change. And I think deep down inside, we all knew that the Bombers weren't going to make the change at quarterback position. But And John, I'll, I'll give you the floor in a minute here because I know this is more your alley. But to me, I, I, I always expected Matt Nichols to start again. And I think and as much as people wanted Chris Strebler, I think a lot of people wanted Chris Strebler to start this game, considering it was a bye week, and I hope over the bye week they told Matt Nichols just to go somewhere warm and relax and not think about football for like a week. <laughs> yes. And then let him come back, let him hit a hard reset on this, and just come in and see if after a bye week against the worst or second worst team in the league right now, see if he can get some semblance of his game going again. I think you owe him that chance, and they had to do it. He needs to. I mean, something is wrong with Matt Nichols, and that is painfully obvious by anybody that's watched the Bombers. I, I wouldn't even say during Labor Day, but that Banjo Bowl start was, was so horrendously bad for a guy that, at worst, at his worst, he's average. At his best, he's, you know, above average. He's never been a dominant quarterback in the league. Um, I've flip-flopped on this a couple of times. I think if they were to give Chris Streveler the start out of a bye week, you're putting him in a great position to succeed, but you're also basically saying, okay, Matt, here's your, here's your behind, here's a staple gun, please affix the bench, please. Now, and I'm a bit of an unconventional thinker, and conventional, unconventional thinking doesn't go far in football. I think that if you're the Bombers and Matt Nichols comes out and lays another egg. I think you put him on the one-game list. I think you give Streveler the start in the next game, so there's no million-and-one shots of Matt Nichols sitting there holding the clipboard and robble, 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 robble. And you give Streveler the next game in its entirety. And then go from there. And maybe that's what, you know, it's the old young quarterback needs to be pulled off the field for a few plays to take a look. Maybe that would be good for Matt Nichols. But you're, you're right, Joel. If he can't succeed after the bye week, the Bombers are currently in last place. We all kind of just figured, oh, yeah, no, they're going to be a shoo-in for the crossover spot. No, 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 no. They're behind BC. They're, as of this moment, behind BC. They're in trouble. They're mm -hmm. in a world of trouble when it comes to the playoffs. I think Nichols gets one more, and then you got to take a look at Strapland. And if you're taking a look at Straveler, I don't think you even have Nichols anywhere on that sideline. He is a scratch. He is something for that game. Do they have a quarterback on their neg list, on their uh, practice roster? Because you do have to dress three quarterbacks. That's the only thing. They, I believe they do. If I am not mistaken, they do. Okay. Then then that's plausible that they could do that. Um, I'm with you to a degree. Um, I think, ultimately, though, 
as much as the trouble that the Bombers are in right now, if you hand the keys effectively over to Chris Trevler, I don't really think you're really helping your season in the long run because as much as he showed early on, he's still a young quarterback and he's still going to get figured out. And because all young quarterbacks eventually get figured out and it's how they adjust is whether we learn they're a good quarterback or not. Right, right. And, but I- and I think so. I think ultimately, if the Bombers really want to make, if the Bombers have any hope of going anywhere in the playoffs this year, they need Matt Nichols to refine his form no matter what. So whether Nichols is in the dump or they're stuck with Chris Trevler, effectively, I think their season is over. But it, no, and I think I think if they lose to Montreal, then all of a sudden you're two games behind BC. I, I'm, I, I, I think their season is doomed if they lose to Montreal this weekend. That's fair. That's a fair assessment, yeah. So I think by that point, you maybe see if Strebler can give you enough to at least get you into the postseason, and then you're getting a real good look at what you have moving into next year. Because if you if you find a way to lose to Johnny Manziel and the Montreal Alouettes, like I know I it didn't ha- it didn't quite happen to the Riders because Manziel wasn't there yet. But if that point in the season you're losing to Manziel or the Alouettes. You might as well just, just, that's it. It's over. It's it's over. BC's making the playoffs, and the Bombers can go back to being the dumpster fire that they have been since the year 1990. What a ridiculous twist this has really been. I mean, if you really think about it, like this is on roster, on paper, when you look at the Blue, Winnipeg Blue Bombers on paper, probably the best roster they've amassed in, I don't know, how many years. Yeah. And it's just everything has gone wrong. And it's just, it's just so hard to figure out because, okay, maybe maybe the expectations were maybe a little too high. Maybe they're they're not the first place team we maybe thought they were, but they're not this bad either. And it's just, it's just so perplexing. Yeah, but, but then again, they're also the Bombers, and the Bombers are quickly turning into the Cleveland Browns of the CFL. As much as it cringes me, it's funny. I, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I think Oz Davis, uh, Oz on football. Host of Rouge, uh, the uh, the Rouge White and Blue podcast. Yeah. Um, put up a, a Twitter poll today. Who is going to win the Grey Cup before the others? And I honestly voted for the Atlantic Schooners ahead of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. <laughs> it's just I've seen too much pain and misery in my life that you just. I remember watching Labor Day, and I was being an arse when the Bombers were up. And I turned to my wife's family and said, I'm being an arse right now because they're the bombers. They're going to blow it. It's what they do. And lo and behold, they blew it and then blew it again. And they're probably going to blow it again. And all I'm going to have to see is that stupid money touchdown celebration from Johnny frickin' Manziel. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.